Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills preview podcast, here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. I'm Lars, joining me tonight, just Buffalo Bill Belcher. Hello, everybody out there in Bills Nation, excited about this week, uh, especially... Obvious. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to to why we're particularly excited this week. The Green Bay Packers, very near and dear to your heart. Mine as well. I've got relatives in in Green Bay. And uh, I was sort of raised as the Packers being my 1A team. I just never went all in on them. We are still not eliminated from the playoffs. We are still above 500. This is the first time since 1993 that the Buffalo Bills have been at or above 500 each week. For the entire season, coming in now into week 15. So it's very exciting stuff. We're not eliminated, but we got to win this week against Green Bay, and that's going to be very difficult. Here's a question for you uh, before we get into it. Do you think in, pre- in previous years, we would have been, we would be really excited right now? Right? Excited how? As what far, previous as, far years? as our, in previous years, like, um, we would be more excited about the position that we're in than we are right now being in the hunt for the playoffs you would think so wouldn't you you'd think that once we're here that we would given where we've been that we'd be more excited well i think there's a lot of factors playing into that we'll get into it yeah billsandbeers.com best way to find us tell your friends tell your neighbors tell your family tell everybody you know in bills nation how you found our podcast and subscribe on itunes won't you well it was an ugly game against uh the denver broncos for a lot of reasons and we're going to talk about that, and then, like we said before, talk about the Green Bay game. So sit back and relax, and let Bill and I walk you through the next 45 minutes or so of the Buffalo Bills football talk. Yeah, so we've made mention of it on this podcast several times already this season, but it was the late game this past Sunday in Denver, which meant the sun was down, which meant it was dark and gloomy at the bar here in Chicago. And I wanted to fight Bill, Sujit wanted to fight me, Cassie wanted to fight everybody in the bar. Mm-hmm. It was just an altogether miserable time. And there's a lot of reasons to walk away from this game feeling pretty good about this Bills team because our defense is as advertised. They're very, very good. But there's also a lot of reasons to be pissed. Bill, what do we want to start with? Should we just should we just well, do the formulaic thing and talk about the Jenny Cream and the Bat Blue and then get into the nitty gritty of know the what? game? I mean, no, you know, because because honestly, I just want to get this out of the way. Um, you know, the the topic of the week, uh, at least in the beginning of the week, has been how bad the officiating was. And for those of you, I mean, you know, listen, there are there are certainly games where you you blame a game on the officials and it's not warranted, right? Um, where there's one bad call here or there, and it's just stupid. It's like, you know, you can't blame it on the refs. This was a particularly bad outing from these refs. And it, what made it worse was that CBS, it was as if they blatantly did not show any of the replays um, where we had pen, the, the questionable penalties. They didn't address them. They did not show the replay. They didn't do it anything. Was- very frustrating. It's like when you're sitting on the tarmac for two hours, and nobody's and, telling you and why. No one's telling you why. It's like you know, all you need to do is just like shed some light on it. It'll at least make us feel a little bit better. About well, it. it would have made you feel a little bit better, Bill, because at least those two penalties that negated the interception returns, which make okay. So the two defensive back penalties that bailed about bailed out the Broncos on third down are both debatable. Yeah, Stephon, the Stefan Gilmore one? No, those points arguably put eight 
or excuse me, those penalties arguably put eight points on the board for the Broncos in a game that was decided by seven points. So you can argue about those. The the calls, however, on the interception returns also potentially took points off the board because the hold on Kyle Williams basically turns out to be a 50-yard penalty. Yeah. 50 yards. Yeah. Now, here's and- the thing, though. If we would have been shown those replays, we would have felt a lot better about them because those two penalties in particular were pretty legit. However, Bill, what was frustrating about this game is that from a Bills standpoint, now already we were outflagged in number of penalties and penalty yards by a two to one margin from, from the compared to the Broncos. So what was frustrating about this was the refs were as willing to throw flags on the Bills, it seemed, as Kyle Orton was unwilling to throw the ball to a receiver downfield in single coverage. <laughs> so the those two factors combined, when we're watching our quarterback eat the ball and then watching the refs just throw flags willy-nilly, I mean, we we had all reached a critical mass of frustration in that bar Sunday night. It just got downright ugly. Yeah. They're, you know, they're, we're obviously frustrated with the play of our offense in particular, but so that adds into it, adds, adds into the equation. But the fact, uh, uh, I mean, we were at one point, you know, taking napkins out, uh, you know, from the table and pretending to put them in our pockets, just like throw them up in the air because, you know, it was it was miraculous when a flag was not thrown. Yeah, I mean, it was it was very frustrating to see all those penalties. Now, however, Bill, we're going to talk this this week this week this week about Jerry Hughes, famously benched for part of the the second half. Apparently, unbeknownst to Doug Marone, our head coach. Yeah. Corey Graham legitimately got back up and spiked the guy back into the ground, causing the 15-yard penalty on the Gilmore return, which went all the way down to the Broncos' 20. Yep. Kyle Williams did kind of bear-hug the guy. That one pisses me off, though, because it's like two fat guys. Is is the defensive tackle going to run down Corey Graham from 60 yards away? Did that flag need to be thrown? I don't think so. But the Corey Graham penalty was legit. And this is not the first time Jerry Hughes has lost his head this year. So I don't I don't particularly blame the coaching staff for benching him because he's now cost us probably 75 yards in stupid after the after the play penalties. So what did he actually do? He like got in the ref's face and was like taking him to town. So he I mean he clearly I mean I guess oh, he, he earned he, the penalty. He was fined I think 22 grand. Yeah, he earned it. And again, he's been doing this. So it doesn't bother me yeah. that he was benched. But he's but, also been getting sacked by the way too. I feel like I those know. those two things can sometimes go together like if you're not an aggressive sort but of if like they, hothead. I I hear you, but at the same time if they even each other out, then they're evening evening mm. each other out, That's which means true. the sacks are okay, great. He's getting sacks to counteract the penalties he's getting. I mean, that's are we working our way back up to zero? Because I don't want a guy who does that for our team. And so, and if people don't know the the backstory here is Jerry Jerry Hughes got pulled by uh, Pepper Johnson allegedly, allegedly, um, unbeknownst to the head coach, unbeknownst to the head coach. And well, again, not something I have a problem with. Well, this was you know it was known that he was being benched, but Marone said. He was being pulled out to clear his head or to cool down, which I get because I Jerry Hughes is clearly on fire. And then he was he was in for twelve snaps, whereas normally he would be in for let's say it was like thirty 
30 or 40 snaps. But Peyton Manning only, only threw the ball 20 times in this game. And is Jerry Hughes a liability against the run? Uh, not as much as Manny Lawson. Okay, so 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 <laughs> we got owned on the forty-five yard run. So would you make I mean, the argument that Marone should should have realized that Jerry like, that Jerry Hughes was out of the game? I would think so, but having never, I mean, here's the thing about our podcast: we have four people who love the Buffalo Bills, watch the Bills, and are pretty insightful. But four people who have never played organized football, and I don't know what it's like on the sideline. I do know from watching these Bills play, that we rotate aggressively in the second half on our defensive line. So I can't imagine that Doug Marone is intimately involved in those personnel rotations on on a consistent basis. So it doesn't necessarily surprise me that he doesn't wasn't aware of it. But at the same time, you th- you'd think it's kind of weird that he wouldn't like turn around and say, hey, why the hell isn't Jerry out there? But apparently that never happened either. Yeah, and it also could be a matter of him miss miss speaking to the to the media or you know he should have had his uh story together a little bit a little bit better Which we know we're this know type of thing he's had maybe, a problem with yeah um the mario and, williams injury last year and he's just letting it as opposed to like bringing it up and addressing it again he's just kind of letting it letting it go and kind of stoking the flames a little bit with what he is saying yeah but what I want to talk about, Bill, though, is it's nice to have a defense that injures players, which our defense does do, yes, and beat people up and have an attitude. And I have to believe you would chalk that up to coaching based on what we've talked about regarding Nathaniel Hackett. These guys set a tone, and there's an expectation set, and our defense brings that. I mean, they've done it now consistently for 13 games. But they also consistently get these stupid penalties. So, can you have one without the other? And do you accept the penalties knowing that our defense is going to be aggressive and going to be playing turned up a little bit anyways? Or is this a coaching issue and, like, Marone doesn't have control over his players? I mean, I think you accept some penalties as part of your aggressive defense. But... Um, the number of penalties that we have, um, you know, I, I think that there are some that just need to be removed and, and limited, but, but I, there, but, there but are aggression think, penalties, every one of them. They're, yeah. they're guys jumping off sides. They're guys holding risk. I mean, these are, I mean, they're not bonehead plays or guys who are being aggressive. I mean, yeah. can our defense not perform unless they're playing that way? I mean, I guess you could also argue that if, you know, even with those penalties, our defense, yeah, it stopped, and we've Peyton seen them. Manning, and they, they so, and, but we've seen them get like a, a neutral zone infraction on first down, and still force the three and out, right, from first and five. So maybe, I mean, maybe our philosophy, which by the way is, is pretty is badass. Yeah, like we're gonna take away half the field and still be able to beat you. Yeah, but you know, we've talked about this in years past too about our team not having an identity. I mean, finally, our defense has an identity. Yeah, they're badass. But our but our, but our offense, what? I mean, what could you possibly say our identity is? Well, that's that's we don't that's, even, we don't even want to talk. No, about I, we, let's not go there. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get into it a little bit. And by the way, so and we'll talk about this in in the portion coming up. I would not want to be the Green Bay Packers playing the Bills this week. No, absolutely not. Because they have a legitimate shot to make a run to the Super Bowl. They also have a legitimate shot of losing one of their best players this weekend. Yeah. In Buffalo, the last game of the Ralph in 2014, 
Nigel Branham's gonna hurt. He's gonna kill somebody. Yeah. He's gonna break Jordy Nelson's I know. ankle. He's gonna he's gonna fracture Aaron Rodgers' collarbone. Eddie Lacy's gonna have his knee dislocated. Some, Something's gonna happen. I think it's gonna be Eddie Lacy. Uh, it's and this is a thing. So you know, for those of you out there, my fiance uh, Carrie uh, Carrie Belcher. Uh, is a uh, <laughs> thus my namesake. If, uh, if, that, if that all makes sense now, it all comes full circle. Anyway, um, big big Green Bay Packers fan, uh, and uh, I have subsequently become uh, a Packers fan. Well, they're um, a lot of fun to watch. They're a lot when of fun you've got to the watch. greatest quarterback of all time. I'll tell you. I mean, dude, he's great. It's, it's great. It's great to be able to watch a game and then be like, huh? Uh, I'm gonna go grab a you know, soda from the fridge. And like, it doesn't matter if I miss like this 30 seconds of the game because we're still up by three touchdowns. We don't have to cling to every moment as <laughs> every if it's the single last. moment. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, let's, we're going to talk about the Packers. Who was your Jenny Creamel bummer of Sunday's game? Is it Kyle Orton? Does Kyle Orton, does he throw for 355 yards and two touchdowns and still manage to be the worst player on the bills? <sighs> no. No, he's not my bummer of the week. He's mine. Really? Oh yeah. Absolutely he is. Okay. Did you did you read Jeremy White's all twenty two review this year? No. Okay. This is why the arguments about Nathaniel Hackett drive me insane. Because another all twenty two review and another wide open glimpse that we have receivers running free and in single coverage down the field and a quarterback who doesn't have the sack to throw him the ball. And he has, in a lot of these plays, he had the time, he had the blocking, he had other receivers running free, but instead he dumps it off to a guy two yards behind the line of scrimmage who has three defenders on him. And, you know, uh, we've said it before, why those guys don't just knock the ball down, why they take the reception and the three-yard loss, I'll never know. But we're right back to having a quarterback who is scared. He's scared to throw the ball. And people will say, well, maybe they're telling him not to screw up. I don't buy that for a second. A 10-year vet, and I'm sorry, you're a professional quarterback. The, the ball is literally in your hands. Make a play. And when you have a receiver in single coverage on the outside running free like he had quite a few times on Sunday, it's I'm sorry, it's on you, buddy. Especially when you're throwing those checkdowns. The fourth and sixth play that, that was the failed play to Chandler on the sideline, which arguably could have been pass interference but wasn't called. He had Robert Woods running wide open over the middle of the field. And Robert Woods threw a hissy fit right afterwards, as he should. Yeah. Um, did he make any mistakes? Orton? Yeah. Yes. Many. No, he no, no. Slid. I'm talking about that. Oh, God. Well, that was horrible. He slid I'm on talking third about and one behind did the he, line of scrimmage. Did he, throw any, did he throw any INTs? Yeah. He threw a red zone interception at the end of the game. We lost this game by seven points, and he threw a, a red zone interception. Two yeah. of them, I think. All right, so that's fair enough. Bomber of the week. I mean, fuck, bomber of the season. Gosh. But now here we are. I mean, we got it on our list of things to talk about, EJ versus Orton. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it now? Is no, EJ Manuel our quarterback next no. year? Because now I'm leaning towards Orton not being on our roster next year. I mean, he'll have a shot at it. I don't know. I think they're going to cut him. I don't think we're going to cut him. I think they're going to cut him. They're going to find another veteran through free agency. And they're going to try the same thing. If EJ's not ready, they're going to throw a veteran in there. Until EJ's ready. Plug and play with a vet. Yeah. Like, Because whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick or if it's Kyle Orton. They might think that gives us more of a shot than EJ Manning. You know, fill in the blank. It's it's going to be... Unless you're you're going to get that mediocrity. Like, yeah. 
I just don't think. I mean, yeah, I can't see us cutting him. I, I don't. I don't understand that. I mean, what? Why? Why even take a chance with another veteran if because he's, he's owed a lot of money next year? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how these things work, but based on his performance on Sunday, and you and I said if if the Bills are losing big at halftime yeah. to the Packers, which they very might very well might be. But then again, maybe not because of our defense. EJ Manuel should go in. I think they were saying though that um, someone would have to pick up the six million dollars that Orton's that Orton's due, like if that that Orton that that is due to Orton if he goes to another team. Yeah, which is unlikely. So right. we'll get to this. Who's Jenny Cremel Bummer? Um, I mean, honestly, I'll give my Bummer of the week to. Uh, to Coach Marone. Um, yeah, I think that uh, you know him not him not realize it's just crazy. It's crazy to me. Again, we don't know what really is going on behind the scenes, but him not knowing that Jerry Hughes, like one of the top three, if not you know, I mean top two pass rushers on the team, is not in the game. Like, okay, and then you're gonna tell me, well, you were paying attention to the offense, offensive side of the ball, well. Yeah, what's your uh, excuse it, it, there? If that's if that's where your focus is and <laughs> it's not doing should, any good, then, then you should be fired out of yeah. like, straight out of hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I can agree with that. And I don't know. I'm just getting sort of. Uh, he's just not doing himself any favors. So more than anything, it's not. I wouldn't say it was anything necessary that he's done, like you know that he did in this in this game from a game management standpoint. That that like pissed me off. Um, you know, I think punted. What, about what, what punt? did we do? We punted at the end of the game when there was. We punted basically. When we punted, we we made it clear that we are now going to need an onside kick to win the game. Yeah. So we basically said it's more likely I for would... us to get an onside kick recovery than it is for us to convert this fourth down. And it was fourth and six, right? I think it was fourth and six. Yeah, except the at thing our is, fifty yard line, I, we... I would have gone. I I no, was... it wasn't the fifty. It was at like the Broncos twenty. Okay. Yeah. I mean, either way, like. If we don't convert there, the game's over because they're going to score, and that puts us down two scores. Yeah, either or way, he, either way, he's one. either way he as a coach is screwed. Now, right, either decision he makes is, okay. is the wrong is going to be the wrong one. Yeah. Now I'm uh, I have a reputation for doing this, so I'm going to go ahead and do it now. Come to Marone's rescue a little bit here. A couple things. Um, I'm getting to the point now where I'm thinking that the only scenario that he's not on the sidelines in 2015. Is is under his own volition that he resigns, and he steps down as coach, and I'm partly okay with that. I'm okay with it because we were sold a guy who went into Syracuse and changed the culture. Right, the team was like one in ten when he took over, and when his last year they won a bowl game. You said at the top of this podcast, how is it that we're seven and six and not excited about this team? Doug Marone has gotten us closer to the playoffs than this team has been in years, and we haven't. We've had a pretty tough schedule. All six teams we've lost to are playoff contenders, legitimately in the playoff race. So, part of me thinks, is Doug Marone's job in Buffalo done? Has he changed the culture? Do we have a group of players now who are amped up to win, who won't accept anything but winning? And if, has he kind of gotten us into a mode where winning is is the norm? And I'm kind of thinking that he has a little bit. I see where I, I see where you're going with that. Um, the shift to 
there's definitely a shift. Um, and it, I think, again, it goes back to the fact that in previous years, we would have been very excited about the position that we're in right now. But I think we expect more of that. We, we legitimately expe- expect more of this team right now where it's at, which means that, uh, you know, we're, you know, the tides have changed a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Doug Whaley deserves, uh, deserves, deserves a lot of credit for that. But, um, yeah. Doug Whaley but, deserves a lot of credit for that. But he, he deserves most of the credit for that. Um, but, you know, credit Marone. And, and I would say that, um, you know, in 2015, I would, uh, what I would love to see happen is if he stayed on as our head coach from a continuity standpoint, continued with Jim Schwartz, and then, you know, new offensive coordinator. And had a new offensive coordinator. You know who might be available is and Jay I think, Gruden, and that and, might be pretty sweet. And I think that would, I mean, that would uh, preserve his job. I don't know if he'd be, he's very, very, he's like, seems like a very, very loyal guy. Yeah. Um, I but, mean, here's the thing. So many people say things about Doug Marone based on things they don't see. But here's the things that we hear about Doug Marone from people who are on the scenes. Mike Pettin, for example. Mike Pettin goes out of his way to thank Doug Marone. For he and he says, I would not be where I am right now if it wasn't for Doug Marone. Mike Pettin was the defensive coordinator under Rex Ryan for several years. Um, I'm pretty sure he was the coordinator there when they went to the AFC Championship game two years in a row. He doesn't say those things about Rex Ryan. He says them about Doug Marone. That's I think that's that speaks volume to the man's character. Shifting gears, can you identify a Labatt Blue MVP? Of Sunday's game, <laughs> um, you know, I don't even know what his I don't know what his numbers were. I don't think that they were that good. Um, but it just it was nice to it was nice to see Freddie, um, you know, feel like the old the old Freddie. You know, yeah. Was, I mean, uh, and again, like <laughs> okay. I mean, you give me. It's nice that you say that because I don't think we're going to be saying about this him about him much longer. Yeah, I don't think I don't think so either. Right? Is his. I mean, are you talking about, like, he's not going to be on the team next year? I don't know. He's... Here's the thing. He's a train who's uh, running out of fuel. he's running out of coal. (laughs) Fred Jackson is the heart and soul of this team. He is the Walter Payton Man of the Year again this year for the Bills, as announced today. Yep. And he's arguably the best third-down blocking running back in the NFL. He makes the big plays and they need to be made. But Fred Jackson is as good as he is because he has elite, elite, mind you, like best in the league, certainly the best that's been in the in a Bills uniform since Thurman Thomas, elite vision, balance, and timing. Okay? Yes. He's among the league's best in those things. What he is not among the league's best in is athleticism. Okay? <laughs> But because he's elite at those other three things, it totally masks that. Yeah. And he can get away with it, but not for much longer because everything else is starting to – I mean, it's been said about the guy now every week, oldest running back in the NFL, 33-year-old. I mean, before it was, oh, Harvard grad Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now it's 33-year-old Fred Jackson. I mean, that is that is the moniker that follows him around, and, and rightfully so because he, sometimes it looks like he's running through mashed potatoes out there. Yeah, Um you know, but I think like to um, to the reason that I'm nominating him as Labatt Blue Player of the Week, it's like it's just it's it's seeing seeing him in the lineup and healthy 
um, compared to like, I mean, even last last week was it the week before that that he j- he had just come back? Yeah. So he's been back now. This was so this, three was, this was his third week back. I felt like he was finally back to his like at least like eighty percent form. Um, and that compared to Bryce Brown, that compared to to Booby Dixon. Booby was just a pretty a, good game though too. A decent game. I'm almost getting to the point where I resent Fred Jackson because I know that because he's part of the old guard. He's part of the old guard. So is Kyle Williams. But who's gonna? So who's gonna step up and? That's be... why I resent him. Is because, dude, like eventually you gotta go away so we can figure out how to do this without you. Because that every every time you take the field, we get closer and closer to that moment that no, no Bills fans want to come to grip grips with. Can we say for certain that he is the most beloved Bill of the twenty first century? Wow. Um... Is there another player who even comes close? The fact that I'm thinking about it for that long, and that's what, what was a 10 second pause there? There, least... there, there? There's no editing in there. Uh, that, uh, yeah, I think so. I think that would be accurate. The most beloved Bill of the 21st century, yeah. Fred Jackson. Yeah. Who didn't even start playing until 2007 like or 8. Right? Well, yeah, there's. Right. But so that's why I resent him because we keep getting closer and closer to a Bills team without Fred Jackson, and because he's so good at so many things, like he just keeps prolonging that process. And it's like, dude, argh, you're never gonna go out on top, and I'm gonna be rooting for this team after you're gone. And I I'm having a difficult time imagining what that team looks like. My Labatt Blue MVP of the game. He's got to be somebody on the defensive side of the ball. I And I don't even know if he did anything. I'm just going to give it to Preston Brown. Why not? Uh, <laughs> well, because you can't identify anybody on defense that did, played particularly well. Corey, um, Corey Graham. Corey Graham played okay. But he got oh, the 15-yard penalty that negated things. Stephon Gilmore actually had a beautiful interception. He did okay. Well, and he had the beautiful pass breakup as well. Oh, dude. Okay. Oh, we're not even talking about it. Yes, but here's the thing. As legal as that might have been in 2014, you can't just launch yourself at a receiver. you got to at least put a hand up or do something to make it look like you intend to play the ball and not just light the dude up. Because while you may have legally lit him up, that's exactly what the NFL doesn't want you to do. I don't believe it was a penalty, but in 2014, that's a penalty. You know what I'm saying? I love that he did that because it comes back to this thing with our defense and what we talked about last week. Fine, go over the middle all you want because you guys are going to get lit the fuck up in the first quarter and a half and you're going to stop doing that. Because yeah. Your receivers are going to start dropping the ball. They're going to get alligator arms. They're going to start yelling at the quarterback that they don't want that because our guys will beat you up over the middle. And I love to see him do that, but you can't do that. So I'm going to give it to Preston Brown because he's a rookie, he's a stud, and he's going to make Brandon Spikes expendable. Because we had a difficult time imagining what this defense looks like without him. The last couple weeks because of Preston Brown's play... Absolutely, Brandon Spikes. You're one, one and done. See ya. And I like Brandon Spikes. I like him a lot. He's too much of a liability in the pass coverage, Joe. Wasn't Brandon Spikes in there while Preston Brown was in there? Probably. I love Brandon Spikes. Yeah. I love. I would love to see Brandon Spikes back, but I don't think it's going to happen. Preston Brown at least alleviates that, softens the blow. Yeah. It's been nice to see him step up this year. All right. Well, you've got a lot of good insight on the Green Bay Packers. We've yammered on long enough about. All I watched. The I watched every Packers game this season. Um. 
And uh, I've actually watched more than Carrie has watched. Well, that goes without saying. So uh, then let's uh, let's talk about what we have to look forward to or not look forward to <laughs> on Sunday when they come to the Ralph. want to talk a little bit about about the uh, Mike Williams fiasco. And we can go ahead and call it a fiasco because everybody else is. I don't think it is. I think... The, no, I, no. You were just referring to it I as know, a fiasco. I know. Because <laughs> that's like... It's easy to... Cause Mike Williams is the fiasco. Yes. Okay? It's not... It's... The Mike... The Mike Williams fiasco makes it sound like, oh, Bill's... Oh, mismanaged this one again. Oh, this Mickey Mouse organization. No. Mike Williams is a hot, hot mess, and I don't have any problem whatsoever with Doug Marone and the entire Bills organization saying, like, yeah, we don't want assholes like that on our football team, and from what we under- come to understand about Mike Williams, he's kind of an asshole. I mean, there's a, there's a reason why he didn't—nothing has amounted of his career, right? He couldn't get anything happening in Tampa Bay— they were like, all right. He had one spectacular out, season. Like had one very six good season. Trade, you know, a sixth-round pick for him. Um, we, as Bills fans, of course, as the optimists, thought it was going to be different. Um, we needed a, you know, an extra set of hands, uh, you know, uh, on the. Uh, and then we drafted Sam Watkins in our receiving core. Yeah, but even so, um, you know, the, one of those guys. I mean, I, I remember being so pumped up. We were so pumped, and Cass was saying this earlier this week that. That was the player back on our off-season podcast that she was most excited for. And we were all totally behind her, being yeah. like, oh, yeah, between him and Brandon Spikes, I we mean, should make it to the playoffs no sweat. Well, because he's he's the what we at least touted him to be. Um, and he described, I think, self-described as well. But, like, is the guy that, like, will go up and make that catch. Like, he will get that 50-50 ball that Kyle Orton will never throw up. Yeah, well, that's just, I mean, there you but, go. There's no egg if there's no chicken. Yeah. Um, uh <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I just settled the argument. That's once true. There is not an egg if there's not a chicken. That's a very good point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember him in the in the uh, in the preseason saying something about well how he was so excited to come back from Buffalo, being a Buffalo guy, and you know we thought okay he was going to come back to his roots, you know really find find himself and not you know get rid of all the all of his uh, uh, you know hoodlum past uh, and. You know, here was he finally in a place where he, he grew up wanting to play. Um, he talked about how he was like he described himself like some it was some obscure like fish in the sea that just oh, goes yeah. up and like catches its prey outside of the water. And he described himself like like this ferocious fish. And I was, I remember thinking to myself like, oh man, like this is gonna be this awesome. Guy is great. Now here's the thing though, Bill. He hasn't played. He hasn't played in what eight weeks. No, and you know his his benching coincided with him popping off and some other weird reports that were surfacing about him hitching a ride and being in full uniform, hopping out of a car twenty minutes before game time, just outside the Ralph Wilson parking lots. And I don't know if I buy any of that, but um, 
his benching did kind of coincide with some of his more public criticisms of the team. And, you know, he's now on IR. And the reason Tampa was willing to cut bait with him also is because they said he was injured too. So amidst all this, no one's really saying that maybe, maybe the guy's just injured. I mean, maybe he's he simply cannot play as good of a game as he talks. Uh, no, I mean, based upon his... I mean, he goes at it on Twitter, you know? Like, he's always like, oh, like, uh, whatever. I feel like he's he's always throwing out these, like, oh, I guess this player is better than, you know, yeah. better, than, oh, I guess better than me. I, I guess, guess I'm, I'm starting scout squad this week. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, he doesn't help his cause. So, but here's the thing, man, is I, I feel like if there, if he wasn't at fault, this would be a bigger deal. Like, players would in... Maybe not in direct words, but in their in the, their tone of voice or the way in which they like address the media on it, something would come out where they would sort of come to his side. Not one player. Yeah. I've not heard one player speak anything about it. You know, actually, or, where I think he would fit in greatly and where he could actually be used. The Raiders, the Seahawks, the Seahawks. They have zero receivers, and they kind of like that personality thing up there. Yeah, the Marshawns. <laughs> Well, that, that's the other side of the spectrum. I mean, that Marshawn is just a or that bizarre Pete, guy. Pete Carroll is a, just a dick in general. But, I mean, like a guy who's just going to kind of like, you know, they're going to embrace it and they're going to let him be as crazy as he wants to be because the crazier he is, the like the more insane touchdown grabs he'll pull down. And, like, he'll go out. like Kind of like Steve Smith, who in a playoff game back in, like, 2004 was screaming at the coach because they weren't scoring any points and he was like put me back to return punts put me back to return punts this is ridiculous i need to have the ball in my hands i'm the best player maker on this team and just going ape shit on the sideline so they put him back into re- return a punt he ran at 87 yards for a touchdown i mean steve smith is the kind of like maniac who if you kind of just let him go out and do his thing he's going to produce results and maybe mike williams is that way too and some teams i think are better at Fostering those kind of personalities, I don't believe a Doug Marone football team is one of those teams. I think we're much more of in that Bill Belichick mold of there's a way to do things, there's a way I do things, and there is some structure, there's some order here, and if you're not on the train, then get out of here. Yeah, well, and what didn't Mike Williams transfer from Syracuse because of Doug Marone? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, maybe it was a, maybe okay, it was so a marriage that was destined so to fail. So a failed experiment here with Mike Williams. But an experiment that costs us virtually nothing because we cut him today. Yeah, we owe him no money next year, and he costs us the sixth round. Could have worked out. Could have worked out great. It's frustrating that it didn't because the guy does have natural talent, and if he got his head straight, he would be able to help this team. So Again, it goes. But you, you don't. Have you, a don't you don't think this is a? We'll come bring a full circle. You don't believe this is a front office fiasco? No, I or don't. a Doug Marone fiasco? No, not at all. And I'm one of the first people to blame the coaches. So I mean, great. So I really wish you would have brought in Carrie here tonight because I am genuinely interested what her emotional spectrum was the day the greatest NFL quarterback of all time retired and taking his place was the greatest NFL quarterback of all time. I mean, what did she go through? Was that difficult? Did she spend three or four seconds wondering, you know, what she was going to have for lunch that day? Because, you know, Packers fans... Boy, they've had it pretty rough in, t- in the quarterback department over the last few couple of years, haven't they? Yeah. So uh, I think I was counting with Phil over the weekend uh, uh, when I uh, I 
We had a little sleepover, right, a slumber party. Right. It was very cute. Um, but we were counting up the, pe- the the amount of times the Packers have been to the playoffs in the past 20 years. And I think it was like 16 or 17. <sighs> okay. Think about that. No, I 20, can't. I, I can't. As I can't. a Bills fan, I can't fathom that. That makes um, no sense to me. And now here's, What's the point? That, here's this, the, it's not even interesting. And now here's the first thing that a Packers fan will reply with. Well, we were bad at one time as well. <laughs> But I mean, we were only good for four years. We've been bad our the entire <laughs> yeah. history of the franchise. Yeah, that four years. Except for the first two years and then four years in the early 90s. Those four years that we were great, you were lousy. I mean, they're like the inverse of the Bills. They are. Yes. I mean, they're like our evil twin from another dimension. Yes. And, and that other dimension is the NFC. And you get snow in one place, snow in another place. And small one, town market. One place is like lauded as this is oh this is beautiful. It's the fro it's the frozen tundra. This is the greatest place to play. And the other is the look at all belt. the snow. Blur. Oh, who would want to play there? Well, now Bill, the people of <laughs> Buffalo don't do any service to that reputation. Buffalo Buffalonians, God love them. Nobody talks more shit about Buffalo than people who are from Buffalo. Uh, I completely disagree with you. You're from Erie. What you have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Why? Who? Who do you know that talks shit about Buffalonians? Buffalo? Talk shit about Buffalo all the time, but they don't mean it. That's what bothers me. Buffalonians never love met, Buffalo. Never met. Never met. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. You're, you're so, crazy talking. But so I don't know. I don't know how she. I don't know how she or Packers fan felt at the time. I'll tell you what I do know is that that. That year that Aaron Rodgers, his first year, um, he had a good year, but the team went, I think, 6-10. and 10. Um, And then they turned it around and went 11-5 the next year. And then won the Super Bowl the year after that. Um, you know, I, wo- I, wonder what, I, I wonder what the conversation was while he, like, during that transition, though. Like, and if people were freaking out, like, oh, they no, made the I wrong mean, decision with Brett Favre. Of course, he went to the Vikings. So, like, the, I think that probably added to it for them. And the Jets. Just sort of speculating there, though. But, um, you know, obviously, yeah, they've, 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 <laughs> they lucked out. And I remember the stat, too, like, um, I think this was last year, but. It's probably around the same this year, and that is that the number of players that have on the team on a was it 52, oh, 52 man roster, fifty three man roster. Yeah, no, the Packers are like the number of players who have only played on the Packers and not any other team. Yeah, is like forty six. But like the next closest team is, is like, like thirty one. Yeah, or something. Which is, I mean, it's insane. So they draft, but for better or for worse, and like I know Packers. Well, fans, Jesus, Bill, what are we talking about here? Funny how all the pieces seem to fall in place when you've got a great quarterback. Right. Um, here's a question and for it's you. It's not like Bill. I've been shouting it from the mountaintops now for years. So, and when it comes to Kyle Orton, EJ Manuel, it doesn't <laughs> matter who. You've got a quarterback who doesn't crack the top twenty or only cracks the top twenty on a good day. Your franchise is going to struggle. Here's a question for you um, that I posed this weekend. I forget with, with uh, who I was with, but. Um, the question is, and I know we're talking about the Packers here, so I don't want to get too derailed, but is there Aaron Rodgers is a smart guy, right? Um, Peyton Manning is a smart guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Brady is a smart guy. Right. Are there any quarterbacks who are, you know, quote-unquote elite that are not smart? 
I think that somebody would use this opportunity to bring up Big Ben. But I think Big Ben is... <sighs> Big Ben strikes me as the kind of guy who comes from a culture where it's not cool to be smart, but he is intensely smart. But the way he was brought up, that's all been filtered into some kind of street smarts. Okay. Does that make... You know the kind of person I'm talking about? I understand about? what you're saying. Like, you've met these people where... Did he win... Uh, they won a Super Bowl... He's won two Super Bowls. Oh, two Super Bowls, okay. Yeah, right. Big Ben's going to be in the Hall of Fame. So Make no mistake. And I guess what, sort of what I'm getting at there is, and I don't know how smart EJ is. I think EJ is a pretty smart guy. Very smart. So um, to me, that's that's a smart decision, right? Like, Kyle Orton's like, very smart. Like when you're, when you're faced with a decision as a GM or coach or whatever, and you've got, you know, you can draft, you know, one of five quarterbacks, like... And one of them is like, you know, seems like he's, you know, or there, there are a couple that emerge that um, are, you know, really, really athletic. And, you know, the rest are just like sort of athletic. But there's two guys out of that five that are just like clearly the smarter guys. I would go with the smarter guys. Okay, so I'm going to give you three examples that make your point and one that sort of derail it a bit. Okay. Making your point. One, Geno Smith. Two, Cam Newton. Three, Colin Kaepernick. All dumb? Not, they don't <laughs> strike, they, they strike you as the brightest bulbs in the drawer? Uh, Cam Newton, absolutely not. Uh, Kaep- Geno Smith? Kaepernick, yeah, yeah, right. You're, yeah, they're all dumb. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The one to derail, RG3. But I think RG3 comes from the mold of too smart for his own good. So he's smart? Yeah. He was like a, yeah, he... He was like a three nine eight GPA. I don't, I don't know if he's handling his situation very smartly. That's well, okay. Let's talk about the Packers yeah. because there's he could be a Buffalo Bill next year. <clears throat> yeah, uh, well, <laughs> I know. Another another great quarterback to waste his defense. All right, so so the Green Bay Packers. Here's what we need to know: the defense last week, and I said on this podcast it wasn't going to be Peyton Manning that beats us. It wasn't because we have a really good defense. I'm confident in saying that I I love Aaron Rodgers. I love the way Aaron Rodgers plays the game of football. I'm not particularly scared of him coming to Ralph this Sunday. You should be scared. Aaron Rodgers is deathly good. Like he here's the thing. Here's the <laughs> Aaron Rodgers has Dude, a four, so four, four to one interception ratio. No other quarterback who started as many games even has three to he one. He has not thrown an interception at home in like three years or something absurd. Yeah. Like the, the all these stats like they just like they I'm happy but then I'm so frustrated it's at the same he, time because it's just but do you think he's gonna go down as the greatest of all time? Um, yeah. uh, I I don't like those. If he things. can if like he can produce things, at this but, level for another seven years, yeah. Oh, for sure. If he can do that, yeah, for that long. Well, yeah. If so, in seven years, he's gonna be as old as Tom Brady is. Okay, and you. And he'll be as old as he'll be one year younger than Peyton Manning. I'll tell you what he needs to not he needs to stop doing is um, and Alex Van Pelt shout out to Alex Van Pelt one of the greatest quarterback uh, <laughs> quarterbacks in NFL history played for the Bills. Bills very doughboy. He him, was our offensive coordinator. We used to call him Bills very doughboy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, you know he is uh, giving Aaron Rodgers all uh, of the information that he needs. But one of the things that he told Aaron Rodgers at the beginning of this year was, dude, slide like. Dude, avoid the hit. Throw the ball away. And Aaron Rodgers does 
like sometimes, but he's just he, he think he can do everything. He, he thinks he can do everything, and he'll go out there and. I've heard about Aaron Rodgers that people, when they see him, often say, "Oh, I expected you to be a lot bigger," and I've heard that that really pisses him off. <laughs> Have you heard this? Too? I heard. I, I've heard that. Yeah. Because he's, he's, he's only he's, like six one, but he's re- so so he's a little bit reckless with his body, and the the reason that I bring that up is that you do not want to be doing that against our team, and I wanna I'm I I'm gonna feel so bad. There's going to be a player that we're going to injure, and I don't think it's gonna be Aaron Rodgers. I have a feeling. It's I gonna... don't want it to be Aaron Rodgers because <laughs> no. I don't. Here's no, why: no, no. because I have, I'm afraid that the goddamn New England fucking Patriots are going to win the AFC this year. Oh god! And I don't want them to win the Super Bowl. No. So I need fucking Aaron Rodgers to stay healthy. Yes. So Eddie Lacy is probably going to get his knee broken. He's already hurt. He's he's been hobbling the past couple weeks. And I'll tell you one other thing. When, when players come in against the Bills injured, they tend to stay that way. Yeah. Um, but Calvin uh, Johnson, Demarius, or um, Julius Thomas this past week, Reggie Bush, uh, no Sean Moreno in week three, two. I mean, we have heard a big name player every single week. Nearly. Yeah. And if again, if a guy comes into the game nicked up, he's gonna he's probably gonna not be playing midway through the third quarter. So this offensive line of the Packers. <laughs> Has been has been. I mean, the amount of time that they have given Aaron Rodgers has but been. But he's also really stupendous. good at finding space. In he's the very good at finding space. However, I will tell you that they they have not seen anything like our defensive line. What about Detroit? The, they've seen Detroit. Uh, I don't know how they did. They lost one game. They lost the first game against Detroit. So they need to beat Detroit. They're playing them the last game of the season. Um, that's going to be, I mean, there's their, their home field advantage is most likely going to come down to that game. Um, uh, but, uh, okay. Like, but I mean, okay, for, but, but I, I want to get away from their offense because Bill, what we're saying right now is yeah. our defense can probably do a good enough job. Okay. And this is why Bill's losses are so frustrating because our defense has consistently now for all but one week, that being the fucking Patriots game has done enough to give our team a chance to win. I think they're going to do that again this week. So tell me about their defense. Okay. Uh, their defense, they've got a couple guys uh, up front that can, you know, penetrate. And they'll they'll most likely stop our, like, they'll stop our run, right? Like, they will, um, we're going to get frustrated. Just, like, we're going to end up, like, throwing some, like, screen passes and getting, like, five, six, like, chunks of yards there. Um their uh, secondary definitely questionable, um, and you know, uh, as far as penalties being called, like they, they're definitely like, like hand check guys a lot. Like there's there's definitely some uh, some penalties that should. I be- love this. This sounds great. Here's why it sounds great. We had mentioned before that Sammy, or I said maybe before we went online here, Sammy Watkins had an interesting quote. He said that he felt that he was hitting the rookie wall when he was in that lull. And he even said, like, I think I was feeling sorry for myself because it was harder than I thought I was going to be. But I'm over that now. He had, what, 157 yards last game? I, w- I want to see Sammy Watkins have a huge game in his last game as a rookie in the Ralph. Okay? If they were up against a questionable secondary, automatically right there, that's the first thing I think of. The second thing I think of is last year 
when our quarterbacks had the same goddamn problem that they're having this year that they won't let it rip, the next game, game singular, that's all we saw from our quarterbacks, just letting it rip. It's almost like that's all they talked about all week long, and they just let it rip, let it rip, let it rip. Challenged the secondary, and they did. And then what we saw last year was they just went right back to their old ways the very next week. But after a week where it was clear that they needed to take more shots, they took more than enough shots. So I'm kind of expecting that from Orton this week. And so if you're telling me they have a questionable secondary, and I'm thinking that our quarterback is going to go in there with a mentality he's going to test the secondary, and we've got a rookie wide receiver who's ready to prove himself and is narrowing in on 1,000 yards for the season, that could be a pretty good matchup for us. Yeah, um, you do have, uh, you know, don't want to forget about mentioning Clay Matthews. Yeah. Um, and he's, I mean. He's going to make a great player, too. Dude, you know, you know what he reminds me of? Uh, he reminds me of, um, you know, in uh, Super Mario Kart, how they had, like, the red turtle shell, like, that you could toss at somebody. Yeah. And, like, that's that thing was, like, the heat-seeking missile. Like, I feel like that's what yeah. Clay Matthews is on the quarterback. Like, that's an he awesome just, analogy. <laughs> I mean, no matter where the quarterback, like, he just finds a way to somehow, like, whatever his path is to get there, like, he will disrupt, he will disrupt it, and he will find a way to, like, make that quarterback scared. And the fact that, <laughs> I mean, Kyle Orton, <laughs> talk about a turtle shell. He crawls into his fucking turtle shell <sighs> as soon as, like, he sees any signs of pressure. So... Um, he turned his back on the play twice. Yeah, on Sunday oh my he God. turned around and then he slid like the two point, yards short. And one a, time when he turned his back, there was no pressure. I know. It's it was. He turned his back and then was like, "Oh shit!" And then had enough time to turn back around and look at the field before he was eventually sacked. So here's here's my here's my biggest worry about this game. <laughs> that is that our defense does do a great job, right? Like we do we. We limit we limit them. Uh, we definitely you know keep them in check for the most part. I mean, no matter what, when you've got Aaron Rodgers at the helm, like, dude, I mean, you're gonna give up points, but you know we'll hold them to 17 points. Let's say uh, in, eh, yeah, seven. I'll say 17 points in the first half, right? <laughs> okay. No, no. It's and a then, lot of points for half. <laughs> well, dude, it tr- uh, trust me. This team is this team is uh, you. It's, I've seen them play. I love watching very, them play. I love watching very, Aaron Rodgers play. But holding, I mean, holding them, that will be, will be like, we'll be fine. We'll be in the game. I just see there being uh, the potential for us to, like, one or two big plays. Like, we could be playing lights out on defense. Yeah. And then all of a That's sudden, what happened the, against the, Denver. The, the silent warrior. Of Jordy Nelson comes out of nowhere and Corey Graham makes the wrong step or whomever is covering Duke him. Duke Williams makes the wrong step and you better believe that Don't Aaron Rodgers is going to he's not gonna overthrow him. He's not gonna underthrow him. He will hit him in stride. Yeah. And that's what he does best. You take like that Jets game where Decker was wide open and that's had they points. had they gotten that touchdown, like the game would have been completely different. Like that's what Aaron Rodgers does. So, because of the position that we're in with the playoffs, we our team knows that like it's a very. I mean, they they know we need to win the game. High stakes. I, you know, I, I worry that if the if if the Packers have a couple plays like that, 
that we just get demoralized if our offense can't get anything going. And then it then they just the wheels fall off. The wheels fall off. Like yeah. we just fucking give up and it's gonna look really Everybody bad. Everybody starts trying to take the game into their own. I hands. mean, we're talking about yeah. like it could look like really bad. Well, the last time we played them it was really bad. I think it was like thirty eight to three in yeah. Lambeau a couple years ago. So as you're saying this, we completely Bill overlooked one of the worst performances on Sunday, and that was Jordan Gay and Colton Schmidt. Two guys who we've been able to rely on this year who were really bad, both of them. Really, really bad on Sunday. Horrible. And we've they've been very reliable every game up until that was Sunday. The, that, was, that was the absolute worst game for them to play bad. Yeah. The one, the one game where like field position makes a big difference and yep. we don't want to just hand it to Peyton Manning, we consistently did instead. Ugh. What, what I mean, in the, and you're playing at mile high where you're supposed to be able to kick further. No, Jordan Gay or Marone said on his behalf something like, or no, Jordan Gay even said like, no, I was just trying to boot it, thinking that like I really wanted to crank one at mile high. It's like, dude, that's the opposite of what you need to do. Like, you're not playing in the middle of a rain cloud. You're playing in a place where you don't have to boot it, and it sails on you. Whoa! <laughs> like, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. Yeah, anyhow. Well, well it's... Um, at the very least, we're going to have fun watching somebody play football on Sunday. If it's not our Bills, it'll be Aaron Rodgers. And at least that we can... And you're going to be there. Absolutely. And it's sad to say I will not be at the bar. Fuck that. Uh, it's on TV here. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have better things to do with my $27. Um, but that means that I won't, that I'm done watching games now for the year with Cassie, which is always sad. Um, uh, I'm maybe done also with Sujit. I don't know. Shout out to Cassie and Sujit. Of course. Uh, they get their shout outs as well. But, um, yeah. All right. So it's going to be a game. We could be eight and six after this game. We could be eight and six. That's pretty awesome. But you don't think it's going to happen. I did think it was going to happen until I started really thinking about this. All right, then let's get into predictions and wild card. Every episode must come to an end. This episode is no different. So, Bill, that means we're approaching the wild card portion of the episode. It's the wild card. And while this is Bills and Beers and we talk a lot about the Buffalo Bills, we also like to do so while drinking beer. And, Bill, you actually brought over some very, very tasty selections this week. Do you want to tell us about what we're having? Yeah, I'll tell you. The first beer we have is uh, from M- MKE Brewing, uh, which we give a little uh, little, little support, uh, you know, uh, for the... Um, the good the, people of Milwaukee? The good people of Milwaukee. On the week that we play the Packers. <laughs> it, maybe it was a horrible decision. No, it's fine. Like yeah, I said, yeah. I have, and I just, I, I literally just happy. said to you, we had, that, we had the hop happy. The hop, it was M- good from MKE Brewing. It was good, and I, but I just said to you, I feel like Bills fans have no quarter with Green Bay fans whatsoever. I and I consider myself kind of a tangential Green Bay fan as it is. Well, and you know what, you know what happens too is like that the fans are both very, 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 very good in both places. Yeah, we have become very bitter fans over you can't the blame you, us. you can't blame us you know who, know that the fan base i like a lot what the kansas city chiefs kansas city chiefs great great fan base um but you know we have a lot of drunk people 
Like a yeah. lot of a lot it's of a lot idiots. of t- a lot of twenty somethings who just act like idiots. But it has become that way because tickets are so cheap. Yeah. That's because our team right. is so you're, bad. You're precisely right. So I mean, the picture that's going around the internet of the of the girl sitting on her boyfriend's hand. I mean, exactly. Exactly. So we had that. The other, and, uh, the the other, other beer here is, is the uh, the Finch's Pale Ale here from Chicago. Uh, also quite good. I was I was expecting something a little more paley, a little more weedy. Yeah. No, this is you nice. Got, and, this you, is nice and crisp. You got a nice little hop on your pale. It's good. Oh, five percent too. That explains a thing or two. Um, so yeah, Finch's Pale Ale and the MKE, what was it? Uh, the Hop what? MKE Hop Happy. Yeah, we uh, recommend them both. If you're uh, under 21, ask your parents first. So, um, Bill. Yes. I am married to a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Uh-huh. Kind of. She's it's, a very beautiful woman. She's, well, thank you. Um, my wife is actually a big Phillies fan. Um, could give two shits about the 76ers. Uh, really likes the Flyers, but is now warming back up to the Eagles because she didn't like Andy Reid. And she didn't like Andy Reid because of the way he took care of his house. That being, he didn't. His kid died of a drug overdose. And like She just didn't like the kind uh, of person Andy Reid seemed to be. When you said took care of his house, I was literally thinking like, oh, he didn't mow his lawn, so she didn't Could like have been. Like it. <laughs> I, doubt he, I doubt Andy Reid was personally out there pushing around a, a, yeah. a, a motorized lawnmower. Um, so she's now coming back on the Eagles, and she knew when we hired Doug Marone that I really, really, really wanted the Bills to hire Chip Kelly. So... She's, um, I think that intrigued oh, how her. things would be so different. <laughs> yeah, they probably would be. Chip Kelly's a really good coach. I like Chip Kelly a lot. Um, but I'm grateful to be married to a Eagles fan, albeit a Fairweather fan. You are engaged to a Packers fan. Also, um, you also got a pretty good lot in life there. So this week's wild card, what kind of fan would you least want to be with? Now, I think it goes without saying that Patriots fans come right off the Number top one. of the list. I mean, I could, I could literally never... No, I, I can't, it wouldn't happen. I don't think I could talk it to wouldn't happen. I, I, an attractive I, Patriots I could, fan I could see a girl, for more than 30 she, seconds. She could be the girl of my dreams from the other side of the bar. We could go out on a first date and we could find out that we have everything in common, that her interests are right in line with mine, that her so ambitions... Sweet. Everything is perfect, and I'm just falling in love with this girl. The moment she tells me she's a diehard Patriots fan, goodbye. No, no can do, no can do. Yeah. So we're gonna eliminate from this week's wild card all teams from the division because I, I know that we've got some old school fans who listen to this podcast who would say the same thing about the Dolphins. Yep. And. I can tell you that having gone to college with a lot of Jets fans, they're fucking intolerable. So <laughs> let's just, mostly the New York thing. Yeah, just the Jersey. It's just trash. So let's take all the teams out of our division. You and I are fortunate. Eagles, Packers. Who are the less fortunate Bills fans out there to be coupled with what kind of fan? And now we're talking. We're we're limiting this to NFL, right? Yes. Okay. I know I mine. Do you know yours? I do not. Without question, Pittsburgh Steelers. And actually, the Pittsburgh Steelers have the highest percentage of female fans. And I know these women. I'm from Western Pennsylvania. 
they suck. <clears throat> they're uh, really aggressive from from what I know of them. She, like, they're very uh, aggressive. They're very aggressive. And actually, I thought of a good one in case you don't come up with one. They're very aggressive, but they don't know anything about football. Like, all they know is that they have a team in their vicinity. And again, I love Pittsburgh. I love I love the town of Pittsburgh. I love I love people from Pittsburgh in general because I, I feel like I identify yeah. with them. Well, it's a good. I mean, the fan base in general. Like, uh, you know, I don't I don't like them, but I think a lot of reasons I don't like them is because they've had a lot of success and they've killed. That's, they've crushed our playoff. But like that's precisely like it. That. Is that teams that have had a lot of success? Immediately, I'm, I question your fanhood. I mean, that's just the Bills fan in me. I mean, immediately, I'm like, you're not a fan because how hard could it be a fan of the team that's won more Super Bowls than any other team in the league? I mean, that's okay, great. I mean, I, I it's like saying like, hey, I really like hundred dollar bills. Oh, good for you. <laughs> um, but so the, the problem with female Steelers fans that I've run into is that they seem to be aware of all of these things that they have. I mean. I, arguably the best franchise in the NFL, but they don't know how they got there. They don't really watch the games and they are aggressively going to remind you how great their team is and put you down as a part. And it's like, uh, honey, you're kind of missing the whole point. Yeah. And I was at that fucking 2004 game against the Steelers, which by the way, legend has been rewritten many times on this game. That wasn't their third stringers. If you go back and look at the roster that was playing that day, it's actually most of the people who were responsible for their Super Bowl win and two years later. Yeah. And then again. Was it just their third string running back? And then like. But that was Willie Parker <clears throat> who went on to be. But it was like James Harrison scored a touchdown in that game. I mean, they they had some legitimate players. I was at that game. I was I had Steelers fans all around me. And a lot of them were wearing pink Roethlisberger jerseys. So do the math. And they were intolerable. Wow. They were awful. And they wouldn't shut up about it in the concourse. And it was just like, like, why? What? Why? You don't, you don't root for a team so that you can insult others. And I feel like Pittsburgh fans of the female variety, yeah. more so than anybody else, take that route. Would you say that they, um, you wouldn't even call them fair weather fans, but... They almost they embrace like the the hardcore fandom that there is within the Steeler like within the Steelers yeah. fan base, but they're just total pretenders. Not even, not even fair weather fans, you know what I mean? But like they almost like tout yeah. that they are this like Steelers like hardcore like they're a Steelers fan, but they're absolutely not. Absolutely, and the other thing they are is that old movie trope of the, like the pipsqueak who scares off all the bad guys because he doesn't know that the big strong hero is standing behind him. Mm. That's also them to mm. a T. Have you thought of one in the meantime? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's there's definitely one in my mind. I'll tell you what that is. It is being a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, I mean, you're first off. <laughs> First off, it, when you're standing, you, you can't, you cannot hate on on that. First off, when you're standing at Hell's Gate, there are two lines: one for Dallas fans and one for everybody else. I mean, I just remember my uh, my dad telling me the story about Super Bowl twenty uh, six. Uh, no, what was it? Twenty seven. Super Bowl twenty seven. It may have been twenty eight. It doesn't matter for the purpose of this story. One way or another, 
we were playing. It was whichever one was in in Atlanta. Uh, that was the first time they whooped us. Okay, so exactly right. <laughs> so he went to that Super Bowl, and I, I I just we haven't talked a lot about it, but the stories that I that I that I recall are like about how all of the women that were at this game were wearing their high heels. They were all dressed oh. up. And then you have all these women from Buffalo in their like frumpy like <laughs> yeah. Zubas and just like ridiculous snow boots. like snow boots and then like the women in Dallas had this like big hair and whatever like it's just it's the tale of two worlds and like you know we're a blue collar town where we are uh you know like whatever we put on our hot, hard hat like Chris Kelsey we come to yeah. come to work every day and uh and um you know I think that obviously them just like crushing us that badly, like still leaves a bad taste yeah. in my mouth. But and, um, and again, gives them something to cheer for that they didn't earn. But I also, I also that's true. I also think that there are some um, Dallas. I mean, there are Dallas Cowboys fans that are that that are not from Dallas, that are not from Texas, that are from nothing having to do with. Dallas in general, but they just like decided they were going to be like Cowboys fans, and they're even worse. But that's a thing, man. That is totally a thing. That's why I'm a huge Bulls fan. I because when I picked my team, they were great, and the Cowboys were so great for so long. I mean, it's why the Steelers get a lot of fans too. I mean, the, we've actually picked two franchises that are very similar that way. These these franchises that have fan bases all over the place because they were the two teams getting a lot of TV time. And they were the best teams in the 70s, and people were just like, oh, I'll just root for these guys. And that's a legitimate thing. That's part of the reason why I root for the Bills. I Because at the same time that the Bulls were great and they were winning all the championships, the Bills were in the Super Bowl. So I looked around. I saw a lot of black and gold at my elementary school and thought, well, fuck those guys. I'm going to root for this team in the Super Bowl. Flash forward 20 years. Worst decision of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but here, let me throw out two honorable mentions for you. Yes. One, Bears fans. We yeah, have them here. Yeah. We have to put up with them. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about Bears fans and why they didn't get my pick. They're really easy to ignore. Because as soon as the going gets tough, they go away. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Completely. They talk such a big game. when they our, My first year out here in 2006, when the Bears were lights out, we were like 14-2, crushed the Bills at Soldier Field. 38-3. You would have. Yeah, maybe we scored. You could not points. have gone more than three feet in this entire city without bumping into something and in, that in, was wearing a Chicago Bears uniform. No, 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 not a Chicago Bears uniform. Every single woman was wearing what jersey? Erlacher. Exactly. Yeah, they didn't know any other player. No, they didn't care about any other player. All they had was Brian Erlacher, <laughs> that big white guy. Like. And, 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 but here's the thing, they went away. And so it's like, now, like when somebody tells tells me they're a Bears fan, I don't take you seriously. Because for all the people who claim to be Bears fans, probably one of three, I will actually be like, oh yeah, you probably watch the team every week. Everybody else, I'm like, hey, did you watch the Bears game? Honestly, one of three is generous. Dude, it's, it pisses me off because so many people I talk to, they're having a lousy season this year. So many people I talk to, hey, did you watch that Bears game? Oh, I turned it off after the first quarter. 
I can't fathom that. I can't walk away from a Bills game. The closest I came last year was pulling out my iPad during the Buccaneers debacle after we lost to the Falcons. Do you remember that horrible, horrible game? I couldn't peel myself away because all I wanted was one more minute to watch this team that only gets 16 (laughs) opportunities to do. The fact that you would turn the TV off after the first quarter, it's like, no. No, no, no. There's fans and then there's you. You're not one of them. Give me the second honorable mention. Seahawks. I'm going to disagree with you on that one. Okay, let me make the case. Okay. What kind of people have we come to understand live in the Pacific Northwest? Uh, hippies? Yeah, real granola Really like, I'm into my craft brews, bro. Yeah, I mean, okay. I like craft brews, I've, but I understand I've, what you're saying. I've yeah. had a beard since 2009. Yes. Okay, my, my girlfriend only wears flannel. Okay, she doesn't shave her pubes because she's really progressive. Okay, like, <laughs> those people. Okay, and for those people to adopt a football team and then be gifted a Lombardi trophy, I feel like there's no justice in the world. Because they are the antithesis of football fans. Have you ever met a female, say, Seahawks fan in your life? No, 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 no. I'm only assuming here. Okay. And I've also heard, I listened to the Around the NFL podcast. Yeah. And they've said that, like, it's it's become, and actually another NFL Network podcast, they said that by far the most sensitive fans and the fans that will, like, jump down your throats on Twitter are the Seahawks fans. Like, the moment you say anything about bad about them, like, they're so defensive and, like, they have this chip, the same chip on their shoulder that, or shoulder that the team does, and I can only imagine that the female variety of that is just completely. And and why? Because flash or rewind to two thousand six. It's precisely what we dealt with here in Chicago. Because in five years, when that team is mediocre again, they're all going to go away. And so right now, when we have to tolerate them and their cockiness, it's like, come on, please. You don't really like this team. You just like to watch your hometown team win. It's like we said about the Blackhawks. How somewhere around Game Four of the Western Finals, suddenly everybody in Chicago is a Blackhawks fan. You know, I refuse to hop on that bandwagon because I know what it means to be a fan. Because I root for the goddamn Buffalo Bills, and it's fucking difficult. You don't just get to hop on the bandwagon when they're good. And I feel like a lot of people in Seattle have done that. What is a bandwagon, by the way? That's a great question. Like, do they have? Wa- I mean, do bands used to ride on wagons? Honestly, like, <laughs> and people would just hop on them. <laughs> like, hey, I'm going with the band, Ma. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Like, it's a great. <laughs> hey guys, come on, let's go on the bandwagon. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's a bandwagon coming through town. You care to hop on? <laughs> boop, 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 boop. <laughs> that was a trumpet. In case yeah, you I know, know, I know. You could hear the bandwagon in the distance. Well, this has been a uh, ice cream truck. I can, I can see like hop hopping on the ice, ice cream truck. truck. Yeah. Everyone keeps hopping on the ice cream truck. <laughs> I'm at ice cream. <laughs> uh, this has been a uh, the good episode. This has been some good pod. Uh, didn't miss Suge. That's for damn sure. <laughs> oh my god, that racist son of a bitch. Yeah, he is pretty racist. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, and I think next week will be our last week as a crew for 2014 because uh, we're probably going to be in parts unknown. For the final week of the year. If we make it to 8-6, and six, by some improbable measure, this could be a really stressful end of the year. But I'm looking forward to it. What's so, your prediction? Worst case scenario, 42-3. to three. Okay. Best case scenario, 18-17 we win. Okay. I'll go worst case scenario. Pretty similar to you. Um, I think we'll put, but I'll, I, I think we'll be able to put up 
you know, 13 points. So I'll go 42 to 13. Uh, best case scenario, I think we win this game 24 to 20. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Billsandbeers.com, best way to find us. Subscribe on iTunes. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your relatives. Tell everybody in Bill's Nation how you found us. For Bill, for Cassie, for Sujit, for the long-forgotten Jam and Jeff Day, I'm Lars. Go Bills. Go Bills. Let's go, Buffalo. Let's go, Buffalo. The Bills make me want to shout